Welcome to the Big Picture with your host, Harrison Newton. Hit the subscribe and share the word. Hello, hello everyone. Welcome back on the show. Today with me I have a couple of epic adventurers and explorers, so welcome Nick and Alana. Thank you Harrison and uh, sweet 27th for last week. Yes, so you guys made it back just up in time. You showed up with two lit tiki torches for the Hawaiian-themed party, so it started off pretty well, didn't it? Well, not for me, because the oil from the tiki torches <laughs> spread throughout my car, so it's taken me a couple of hours to rub that out of the seats. That makes the present that much more special, to be honest, mate. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate the dedication. And how are you, Alana? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, excited to be here. Listen to a few podcasts. You guys have been very keen from the start to support, so I'm so happy you're finally back in Auckland and on the show. Oh, yeah. I loved your mum's one. It was crack up. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was good. I could really, like, connect to it. And, you know, I listen to so many podcasts while I'm walking, so... Your one is another addition to the playlist. Oh, thanks. The reason you guys are back in Auckland and actually able to do this because you guys decided to ship off to the bush for six months, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, we did. About three months. We were kind of on and off, traveling in and out. Wow, yeah. yeah. Because basically at the time, me and Jacoby had been coming three years up at our last job. And Nick, you were one of those guys that I would talk to like, oh, we're going to get out of here. We're going to do something. And for three years, we talked like that, didn't we? Exactly, Harrison. <laughs> and we got to three years and um, finally we pulled the pin almost well, a couple of weeks out from each other. Yeah, well, I got made redundant, which pulled my pin. And then I think that helped pull your pin. Exactly, yes. Especially with, you know, your girlfriend coming on the scene, Alana, and uh, getting the opportunity to, to go down and help some Kiwis that sort of helped sh- shape your next move, didn't it? Exactly. The stars had aligned. So my three-year tenure was coming up. I'd made it to a good position. Um, a big dog. <laughs> <laughs> I'd met Alana. I could see the, the glass ceiling at my at my office. So Oh, yeah. Same. I was kind of looking up to my managers and thinking, I, I, I'm, I don't aspire to be you in five, ten years' time. <laughs> So shout out. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. This is fucking going good, guys. This is going really good. You didn't look to any of the managers for inspiration. And managers, managers for that matter. So yeah. I was kind of uninspired and I, and I had a lack of vision from them. Dude. And it didn't sort of relate down to my level. Dude, do you know what I've found since I've stopped working is I actually had no purpose or meaning in my work because it wasn't mine Mm. if that makes sense that's actually been what one of my big epiphanies was finding purpose so were you guys able to find quite a bit of purpose down in the gisborne bush absolutely i would say it was life-changing life-changing yep and i have known yep how was it life-changing it was kind of the idea of just taking a step back i mean i'd gone through the normal schooling system through to university and i just kept going so into the workforce exactly mum and dad proud i finished my (laughs) three-year degree in in dunedin and i i started working two weeks after that for another three years so that's so who is jacoby exactly i'd done a few travels not much and i was planning to go overseas pre-covid same but look at us now. I, that's where the good thing about COVID is it's pushed people into doing things they never thought. Because like me and you and Alana, we would just escape overseas. But now we're going to we're trying exactly. to find meaning in our own exactly, country. Exactly. Yeah. 
And what about you, Alana? Can can you give me a little bit of your background? Yeah, well, it's a bit of a different one. I was on Super Yachts for about three years. I did go to uni. I did the, you know, make mum and dad proud, (laughs) you know, be the first one in the family to get a degree. Wow. And then I got a year through and I was like, no, 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 this is not for me. (laughs) And so I decided that, yeah, I just was like, nope, I don't want to do this. Don't want to follow the norm. So I saved up another year and then just went overseas by myself yeah. and got a job on a super yacht and then stayed there for three years, got paid to travel. Yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. And then worked my way up and then I was like, well, I don't really see, you know, I don't I don't see my future being in super yachts. I can't be, you know, a 40-year-old super yachter. <laughs> I so I was it. like, yeah. So then I just decided to come back and try to find something more permanent and a career that can build yeah and then you met jacoby unfortunately and then i met this man (laughs) 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 what a cool chick though it's cool that you had the balls just to like say fuck it it's a lot to tell your parents that you don't want to finish uni oh yes yeah i didn't have the approval eyes i got the disapproval from one and then the two thumbs up from my mum be like yeah do it oh really (laughs) yeah which is cool you just need you almost need a stable parent and a parent who who tells you just to fuck it and do it because if you can blend those and you normally end up living a pretty good life Totally. And an interesting life and, and not suffering because you're organized a little bit. So getting back to the story, I guess, is me and Jacoby were both in this office at my leaving drinks. Some of the boys put pressure on Jacoby to, that he had too much potential to. Exactly. I mean, there was definitely a moment, you know, you look back on your day and I just worked my ass off. And then you, you think I did all of this for someone else. And where's the where's the investment in myself going? And I'd look back on the week, the month, the year. And I would think, shit, my focus and my energy was mostly on the company and someone else. So Wow. And I, this, so this is the first time you put the focus on yourself because that's how I feel. Exactly. I mean, even when you're going through learning and development and university degrees, some of that focus seems to be... Like self-beneficial, like you're still benefiting yourself or do you mean it's like for something, they want you to do something? Yeah, I'm trying to say, so in our schooling system, we haven't really taught ourselves to create and innovate. Dude. Like we're we're doing Uh, university degrees. Dude, I got another interview (laughs) about that, eh? That's good. It's almost like we're doing, in a way, these degrees so we can get a job for someone else and there's like a lack of stimulation for creating something for yourself. I mean, you're the only one of my only friends that has gone off on their own and sort of done something. Because it's fucking scary, man. It's very scary. The only reason I'm doing it is because I got made redundant and no one wanted to hire me because I thought too big picture and I, I would be tough to manage, you know? Exactly. I mean, I thought of that when I was driving the other day. I, out of all the fr- friends I have, I probably have one or two friends maybe that have started their own thing. The rest just have jobs and are slaves. Oh, but it's so it's so tough. But anyway, you've decided to not have the job. But man, I really appreciate that because that's what this podcast is actually trying to do. Not tell people to fuck it and quit their job, but t- start taking the steps in, in the direction where you can find out what you're good at and do that and start a bit of a creative revolution. Because one of the sayings here at The Big Pictures, we want everyone to, to be tall poppies and you're definitely a tall poppy, Jacoby. 
Thank you, Harrison. <laughs> <laughs> and Alana. So once Jacoby quit, what was your guys' big plan? Because you decided to go down and, and save the Kiwis was the three words I heard from Nick. Yeah, pretty much. Well, I'd quit my job before Nick, and then Nick finished up, and we just had a little little bit of a holiday, summer vacation, you know, nice. traveling around, which was nice. But basically, yeah, my dad set up a trust quite a few years ago in 2005 for the native properties that he he owns, and he realized that there were Kiwis on it, which wow. was, it was pretty insightful and, you know, it sparked something in him that he just really wanted to do something with it and, you know, try and make something great out of the properties that he's got instead of just keep wow. keep it all for himself, you know. So what's he done with the properties? There was two properties that he bought, one a native property and one a pine block. And I mean, it was about 6,000 hectares that were pine trees and his goal was to bring it back to native forest. Wow. How, how much is 6,000 hectares? Oh gosh, I don't. I think it's like one hectare is a hundred by a hundred meters. So we're talking bigger than footballs. We're talking about like eight thousand football fields or something. (laughs) I don't know. That's just I'm trying to relate it for the poor old audience. I don't know what a hectare is, but an acre. What's an acres? Deal with yeah, oh, it's a hundred meters by hundred meters. Okay, so a hundred by how wide's a football pitch? You're looking at one thousand two hundred, uh, sorry, twelve thousand football fields worth of pine trees. Your dad had. Yes. <laughs> and, what, and what did he want to do with it? Well, that poor land has been through hell and back. Before the pine trees, it was native forest, and it was all burnt down. So wow. all the native species. All the beautiful New Zealand trees were completely burnt to the ground and then pine trees were planted and they grew for, what was that, 30 years, I think, until they're harvested. Yeah, they're harvested every 30 years. It's a, yeah. it's a factory. Yeah. yeah, horrible. And then so they were fell down and now Dad's trying to plant, well, not plant, but let the regeneration of the native forest grow back to enhance all the kiwis and more native species of animals to get back in there. Wow, so it's actually a very cool lab experiment, basically of the journey of New Zealand, you know, from going from this rich, lush land, burnt down to look like Mordor, and then planted with trees, which of course helps build the society, but now he's trying to get back and complete the journey, basically. And so your guy's job was sort of to go down and help the land sort of breathe and get back into that space, so what sort of stuff were you guys doing? So our nine-to-five job was felling wilding pines in that pine block. Wow, what wild pines. Wilding pines. <laughs> so on the pine block Alana mentioned, there's about three-year-old manukas, and it's a giant piece of land. It's several thousand hectares of planted manuka. In that land, there was wilding pines coming through the manuka, and those basically aren't productive for the trees. They outshade the manuka so they can't grow. Oh, Yeah. Okay, so you guys are just nipping in the butts any leftover pines that are popping up. Wow. So I was on the chainsaw and Alana was on the handsaw, so I was getting anything from... You got the tough job. Yeah, Alana got the tough job. (laughs) It was so hard. Do not (laughs) underestimate the handsaw, you know, because with with a chainsaw, you're a lot heavy and you're carrying fire extinguishers and all the safety equipment, but with a handsaw, you're light and nimble. So oh, Lana was probably like getting a good caveman. Oh, yeah, woman, Lana sorry. was almost getting sort of three trees to my one. Really? Yeah. Wow. Because I need to cut down pines on Waiheke. I was going to buy a chainsaw, but don't obviously worry. depends how big they are. Yeah, they're like 
I mean, if you were doing a handsaw with the trees, I was cutting down with the chainsaw, you'd be there forever. Yeah, so every part of New Zealand, and this is what I didn't realise until I came back from overseas, is New Zealand was all burnt down, basically, and then now it's all grass. Like, this is not what New Zealand used to look like. When I went overseas and came back, all I saw was just grass for miles, but it used Mm. to be that thick bush, like you guys said. And it's beautiful bush too. I mean, I know that 30 years ago, the government incentivized property owners to burn down their native native trees. Really? Yeah. 30 years ago? Yeah. And plant pine? Yeah. Wow. Well, it's just around turning it into a productive asset because native trees, they sit there and they don't, they don't do much to, for most people. They don't make money. Oh, it's a product. It's a product. You know, it's one of our biggest exports. It's like our third or fourth biggest export yeah. is timber. Yeah. Uh, so if you go down to Napier where or Gisborne, they just have all the export boats just have timber all on them. And that's what I actually wanted to talk to you guys today about the topic about sort of trees because it's actually, like you said, in an economy and the government has recently done the we want to plant a billion trees in the next so many years. But it's real interesting in that policy they lay out that it can be either pine or native trees. But talking to you guys, there's a big difference between pine trees and native trees. Exactly. I think from what I saw, I mean, and this is overall one one of the big takeouts for me is these projects take generations. And it's not like the company I was working for where you look one week, two weeks ahead. People like Alana's dad, they need to look hundreds of years ahead for a successful project, which is pretty mind-altering to get your head around because people generally don't think that way. Dude, we can't. We think in quarters. We yeah, and they don't. They don't think about the next generation and how it can benefit them. They're kind of selfish in that way. Well, I've never heard a business model longer than thirty years. Like pine trains is almost longest business model I know. Mm. It takes thirty years for your business to to become profitable. But what you're talking about and that real rich layer of natives and stuff, that's not thirty years. That's almost three hundred years. So Alana, your dad's got a big big project and not much time to see it through Mm. well i think it's you know it's just the fact that what he's doing is not to make money out of it which is quite admirable because a lot of what people do is you know they plant pine trees for money Mm. it's not it's not you plant pine trees for the greater good of new zealand (laughs) for the ceo for the carbon emissions right yeah totally because you know New, new zealand wants to be carbon carbon free mm. and you know the pine trees suck up the most carbon but there's actually no benefit out of pine trees to new zealand whatsoever no native species live in them because there's no food sources in there whereas native it's, that is exactly where all the species are wow because you're touching on a real problem it's almost quite unique because new zealand wants to be carbon neutral but we also have that business mind so it's almost like they're selling us a, a fake product of of free carbon neutrality but really we're we're sacrificing our native forests to get there because driving around New Zealand this summer it's becoming more profitable to plant pine trees than to have a farm mm. so mm. they so they think per acre if you can factor in the 30 years delay it's more profitable just to plant pine trees and that's what i saw all through New Zealand this summer oh totally you see so many pine trees you know growing just been, you know, planted in the last year or two on, like, farms. On farmland. And it's scary. You think, you know, this beautiful farmland that you're going to see and native bush in the background, it's all going to be pine trees. Like, the roads are going to be so dark because no 
no oh. light will be able to get in from all the pine trees by the road. It's going to be like Canada in the States, yeah, like yeah, yeah. pine trees. Because yeah. when you go to Napier Way, you go through just yeah. roads of mm. pine trees. Mm. Holy Sorry. shit. Because there's a, there's actually, I saw a lot of protest billboards. I saw a lot of protest billboards like, who's going to feed New Zealand? Like oh, yeah. sort of they, the, the yeah. farmers were really protesting the pine trees. Mm. And then you got the Labour government saying, hey, we're planting a billion trees. By the way, it's pine trees. Yeah, you exactly, know? exactly. No one realises, you know, you could be planting a tree and it's got that it's got that sort of feel-good factor. I just planted a tree. But whether it's a pine tree or a or a beautiful native tree like a Rimu, like what's the difference? One's going to make you money and one's going to benefit New Zealand and help so many species. And do you know the other thing it's going to do? They actually reckon because pine trees get cut down and used, its emissions ends up going as carbon exactly. anyway. Exactly. <laughs> Where if you had a Rimu that's been there for four years, it's – it's not letting go of that carbon until mm-hmm. the next generation decides to burn it 800 <laughs> years later. Oh, I know, I know. So if we truly, as a society, wanted to be carbon neutral, we shouldn't really be planting the pines then, should we? Well, for it to be, I mean, don't quote yeah, me on this one. But this I is think, all us I thinking. Think, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thinking. I think for it to be carbon neutral in a fast-acting way, pine trees could be the best option Mm. but i'm sure there has got to be some better option for it to be like positive to new zealand's ecosystem and that finding a way to 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 offset it with natives instead of just creating a pine tree filled new zealand exactly so you know like this show says sometimes i you know take a side but really you want that nice balance because wood's Mm. important to us as well but it's from my angle, maybe it's telling people in a not so dodgy way what the billion trees plan is, but how can we actually have these two ecosystems running that's not going to mess us up? And unfortunately with trees and with all these paper bags we use for our bags these days, we're, we're going to be needing more and more pine. So so timber is an essential part of our economy as well, isn't it? Oh, totally. And the cost for it has gone up ridiculously, you know. Oh. The cost of timber is just crazy. It's so scarce at the moment. There's a timber shortage. I'll actually, on my Instagram page, The Big Picture New Zealand, I'll post a photo. New Zealand is in its first timber shortage, and there's not enough timber for the builders, is there? No. I, well, I think there is. It's just it's so expensive now. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Wow. I mean, Nick, you might be able to. Yeah. I'm not sure if I can enlighten. I think what it comes down to is it's cheaper to buy New Zealand timber overseas than it is to buy in New Zealand, just like milk. So I think that's the crux of the the matter. Matter. And do you know what? Do you know what it is? What it is is we've become so globalized as a world that it's cheaper for us to ship our logs all the way off to China to get bleached and trimmed and then import them back, then do it all here. So we can't even provide our own timber in Mm. New Zealand and like you said same with the milk because we make such good products if you're making a good product and someone overseas and say Singapore or Australia is going to pay a dollar more for your milk you're going to sell them your milk so Mm. that's why we actually have really high timber costs and really high milk because our products are are good you Mm. know well I think a lot of our primary products are like that even honey and wool well, for example, that's the crazy thing. Now tourism's off the top. Tourism used to be the biggest industry, but 
all our industries that we sell to the world are primary. Seafood, timber, dairy, meat. It's a bit scary to think, you know, what's going to happen to New Zealand without the agriculture industry. And abusing our resources. Exactly. And I think there's a, I mean, we, we call ourselves NZ Green, but we don't talk about the impact the cows have on the environment with the methane. Yeah. And they're one of the biggest sort of factors to in terms of emission. Yeah. They're, they're, I mean, methane is a lot worse for the environment than carbon. Yeah. I think we can do that episode. That yeah. one's a big yeah. episode. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, guys, I know we've been talking a lot about the economics of trees, but it's just really fascinating because we're all passionate about trees. It matters so much to our economy and our environment. So chats are really important. So thanks for coming on, guys. And just to reiterate, is there anything you would like to shout out for that good work, chainsawing, restoring the bush down south in Gisborne? How trees are actually a real big influence on our life. And it always sounds crazy to say, but a tree is an asset. You know, I bought my mum some lemon trees three years ago, and now it's it's growing into its own asset. So we do need to look after these trees, and we do need to have these tough conversations trying to get that balance right between business environmental and and social really so what did you guys take away from hacking it in the bush for a long while yeah totally right i think it's just basically to be aware you know we were enlightened so much by what we were doing and how we were affecting the property but you know to auckland or uh, or someone from wellington or anyone um you know they could be from in the middle of nowhere they might still not know like how much impact pine trees have on New Zealand and compared to natives you know it's like no one has any idea until you're actually immersed into something that might be helping it or you're just having a conversation you know with someone who's actually in the industry or whatnot even we were benching tracks you know we were slaving away creating like these amazing tracks and just any track that you walk on like the amount of work that goes behind it is so hard and that's what it is there's so many passionate kiwis Mm. and like my uncle was the same he he made kilometers of track you don't know how much work's involved until you're doing it and you guys know now you know yeah yeah i mean just being aware isn't it it's just yeah yeah, So, so much out there Thanks so much for coming on, guys. I love the passion, and I guess the key takeaway is for everyone to hop in their car and go out for at least an hour or two hike because if you go online, there's so many great spots to see, and we really want people getting out there to appreciate it and to have a think because New Zealand's beautiful, so why don't we look after it? It sure is. Okay, thanks, guys. Thanks, Harrison. Thank you, Mr. Harrison. (laughs) (laughs) That was the big picture. Hit the subscribe and share the word.